1: A few weeks back, I was at the Wisconsin Grassroots Network Annual Festival, which is a lively, informative, and energizing collection of people pulling together for a whole lot of organizing for the common good. During this year's visit, I ran into Eric Howland, who I first really connected with as I was just starting to syndicate these Northern Spirit Radio programs, as he was involved in the startup of a low-power FM station in Madison, WIDE, L-P-F-M. So here's a shout-out to folks listening in Madison, and of course to folks listening via stations all across the United States. The point is that Eric Howland was at the Wisconsin Grassroots Network Festival to share information about an organization called M-O-S-E-S, MOSES, an acronym for Madison Organizing in Strength, Equality, and Solidarity, concerned mainly with advocating justice system reform. For those familiar with the New Jim Crow and many other books, speakers, and organizations highlighting aspects of our dysfunctional and often counterproductive justice system, it's not hard to find the motivation to look for a better way. The past cries of lock him up and throw away the key, and the thirst for punishment instead of reform, for revenge instead of healing, have led the USA to have a greater portion of our people behind bars. ...than any other country in the world. Just sit with that for a moment and let it sink in. More than El Salvador, Cuba, Iran, and Russia. In fact, the U.S. incarcerates folks at almost twice the rates of Russia. Fortunately, there are a lot of good people trying to open eyes to the messed up system here... ...and to seek out life-giving alternatives to our dead-end road. Among them are Eric Howland and the participants of Moses... We'll explore the role of Moses in the work of justice system reform in just a moment, but I thought it might get us off in the right frame of mind by first listening to a song by Carrie Newcomer on the subject. Carrie is one of my favorite musicians of all time, with a combination of compelling lyrics and powerful, riveting music, and she hit the nail square on the head here. We're going to listen to A Mean Kind of Justice. And then get Eric Howland on the phone in Madison, Wisconsin. Here's Carrie Newcomer, A Mean Kind of Justice.
0: There's a ring around the moon, there's a chill in the air. There's a mean kind of justice coming down, coming down. Angels bring their hands. On their heads There's a mean kind of justice coming down It don't ever stop a thing An eye for night, eye, tit for tat And I've never seen nobody Truly satisfied by that it just rolls around your head Hitting holes in your heart There's a mean kind of justice coming down There's a goodness on this earth Will not die, will not die bears all, it's seen it all, and still it survives, and I know we have failed, but I've seen that we can fly, there's a goodness on this earth that will not die. But the devil wants its due and says human life is cheap. Until we give up any hope we could ever change the past, then at last, then at last, there's a ring around the moon. There's a chill on the breeze. There's somebody with their hands clasped down on their knees And angels hold their breath for what might set them free There's a mean count of justice coming down
1: was Carrie Newcomer and her song, A Mean Kind of Justice, and now to the phone with Eric Howland, President of Justice System Reform Efforts by Moses. Eric, I'm so happy to have you here today for Spirit in Action.
2: Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
1: And it was good to run into you at the Wisconsin Grassroots Festival over in Mazumany. Are you a regular associated with Wisconsin Grassroots Network?
2: Well, we've been there the last couple of years, and it's a great opportunity to connect with a whole network of progressive people in Wisconsin, so in central and southwest Wisconsin. So we like to go, and we've been there the last couple of years.
1: And when you say we, I didn't happen to notice if you had a display table, I had one there for northern spirit radio and of course was making contacts there are so many good people doing world healing work that are part of wisconsin grassroots network that uh, it was invaluable that i'd be there just so i can connect with the pulse of uh, the good work happening around here did you have a table or do you just go to listen and uh, absorb good ideas or do advocacy of other sorts
2: Right. We did have a table, and it was great that a lot of people stopped by, and uh, we have a little more chance to talk to people you know, about their interests relative to our interests. We also did a presentation on criminal justice reform, so that was a, a chance to get to uh, uh, more people as well.
1: So I have you here today for Spirit in Action because you're president for MOSES, M-O-S-E-S, actually an acronym for Madison Organizing in Strength, Equality, and Solidarity. I love these acronyms that the different Wisdom uh, Gamaliel-associated groups come up with. Did you have any part in the formation of Moses, or did you hop in later as its president?
2: I hopped in a little bit later. In the Wisdom Network, we're the most recent organization. We're a pretty strong organization within the network, but we're newcomers relative to Micah and some of the other affiliates.
1: So where I live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, locally it's called Jonah, right? Joining our neighbors, advancing hope. The Eau Claire Friends meeting was part of the covenanting original founding of Jonah. So we've been involved in it from the start. I'm kind of surprised to hear that Madison is a latecomer. I think people in Wisconsin and maybe around the country think of Madison as kind of a liberal progressive haven. So why is interfaith organizing late coming in Madison, whereas you maybe you'd expect that in the hinterlands within the state?
2: Yeah, well, I think in some ways it's sort of a, an embarrassment of riches. There are a lot of organizations, and I think that in some ways, Madison Urban Ministry was doing the faith-based organizing within Wisconsin. And, of course, that's a very old organization. Um, and But this particular focus on criminal justice, you know, a number of people came together and they wanted to do sort of policy work. So not so much in the way of uh, direct service to folks, but trying to change both the public perception of the criminal justice system, but also putting a faith underpinning in the way people think about that. You know, like, So what are our uh, values? What are the deep values that we want to see implemented in the criminal justice system? And I think if you take that point of view, then you see that there are a fair number of things that we could change about the criminal justice system for the better.
1: Throughout the country, there has been a growing trend, certainly over the last 20, 25 years, it starts to become statistically valuable, where more and more people are not affiliated with any kind of a faith community. They're part of what's called the Nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, none of the above kind of people. Why is the work of Moses, this bringing these different faith communities together, and in particular in this Madison area in Wisconsin, focusing on criminal justice system reform. Why is that particularly valuable or important or good leverage, I guess I'd say?
2: Well, faith-based organizing uh, really goes back a long way. It goes back to Saul Alinsky in the Chicago Stockyards uh, area, and it's continued right up to today now, back when Saul Lewinsky was doing it as part of the Industrial Area Foundation, that the center of those communities was the church, and that was both a social center and a place where people gathered, and um, it became really the center of those communities. And today, that happens to some extent. There are congregations that have a values-based interest in changing the criminal justice system, and so they joined together in Moses. But also Moses has a strong connection to people who are either people of faith who have different faith communities than the ones that have joined Moses officially or who are part of that nun group, but they have a passion for criminal justice and they come to Moses. About a year ago, we looked at some of our attendance data and we realized that 60% of the people that were coming to our Moses meetings were not members of affiliates of religious organizations or communities that had to officially become part of Moses. So you would expect that if in the United States there are a lot of people who are becoming unaffiliated with religious organizations, that Madison would be a place where that phenomenon was strong, and indeed it is. But that, that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of people that are interested in criminal justice reform, and Moses has been the home for a lot of those folks.
1: A lot of the different member groups that are part of Wisdom, which is, again, Wisconsin-wide organization of these faith-organizing groups, and Gamaliel nationwide, and so in different states there's different names, different groups for this, A lot of these different organizational groups, these Congregational Affiliated United groups, they have multiple issues that they're addressing. So Jonah, where I'm active, uh, you know, it has an environmental subgroup. It has a group dealing with secure housing. It's got groups dealing with prison reform and justice system reform. Madison seems uh, different to me in that it seems to be focused on just the justice system reform. Is that true, or are there also subgroups that are just uh, percolating?
2: No, that is true. Now, to a certain extent, when we start with our focus on criminal justice reform, then our interests tend to reach out. An example of that would be the Dane County Jail where, according to a commission study, about 40% of the people in the jail have a prescription for psychoactive medications. So that means that behavioral health, mental health issues, are in the forefront of uh, what's going on in the jail, and nobody really thinks that the jail is an appropriate place to either stabilize people in mental health or to try and treat mental health. So... Consequently, our focus was on the number of people in jail. When we realized that there was this substantial number of people with mental health issues in the jail, then all of a sudden we started wondering, well, now how is it that all these folks get into the jail? And one of the reasons for that is that in Madison, after a certain amount of time, if a police finds somebody that's having a behavioral crisis, um, then there really aren't too many choices for them. One is to drive them all the way to Winnebago, to a state facility there, and the other is to take them to the Dane County Jail. Now, hopefully things are going to get better in the future. One of the things that Moses has advocated for is something that's in a lot of other communities called a crisis restoration center, the idea that if somebody's having a mental health crisis that they could go to this facility for a fairly short time. In some places it's 24 hours and others is 72 hours, but, you know, fairly short time. And then they would be able to be stabilized. They'd be able to get some diagnosis as what well was needed, trying to figure out what are the options, you know, some of those things that require a little bit of time. Um, and then somebody would often not need to then go into the criminal justice system, and we would consider that a big win. So Moses is really interested in criminal justice reform, but we recognize that criminal justice is tied into a bunch of other issues that are in our community. The other thing that I would say about Moses' focus is that there were a lot of groups that were uh, working on other social justice issues, and we have felt that supporting them and doing what they were doing is maybe a more effective strategy than trying to set up a subgroup of ourselves to do the same kinds of work. And them aren't exactly like us. So, for example, immigration, there are several organizations, such as Centro Hispano and the Catholic Multicultural Center, that are working on immigration issues. Voices de la Fronteras has a chapter here in Dane County. So they're all working on uh, things that we support and that are actually issues that Wisdom Network has taken on, such as driver's licenses for undocumented folks. So the question why Moses focuses on criminal justice is partly that's what we've been able to do, and we've attracted a number of people who are interested in that effort, and so we move forward.
1: You've got some 23 congregations, communities, faith communities that are connected with Moses, I think that are member organizations. Includes uh, Unitarian Universalist, Unity, Methodist, UCC, Presbyterian, Quaker, Episcopal, Lutheran, Catholic, African Methodist Episcopal, that is A.M.E., Buddhist, and other groups. So you've got all of these folks working together. I was a bit chagrined to realize that there was no official Jewish, either synagogue or temple, that is a official member organization. And you've got the name Moses. Overall, it just seems. Like the people should come home, but you do have, I understand, participation by both Jews and Muslims and other folks, even if their congregations are not officially members.
2: Yes, uh, we have an individual caucus where all the people that are not part of a member congregation get together and they think about the the way they want to both engage with the organization and influence it. They have a vote in our business meetings.
1: So they are involved even if the congregations are not specifically affiliated?
2: Yes, that's correct. And I think that's the tension that you were speaking about before, that in this era of declining participation in mainline churches, but an increase in alternative kinds of um, spiritual practices, that it's to be expected that you're going to have a lot of people who have deep values, people of faith that are going to be come into the organization as
1: individuals. Well, let's drill down on a number of the issues related to what's either called criminal justice reform, justice system reform. Uh, Both names are used. The website is mosesmadison.org. The link is on nordenspiritradio.org, so you can get there in any case. Uh, So let's drill down on some of the issues. You have a page that says, We Believe, and starts out with racial equity should be achieved across entire criminal justice system and that the system should be guided by the use of publicly available data and information for understanding what's happening for accountability and measuring outcomes. Is that not done? I mean, is that really just missing from the system that the criminal justice system doesn't bother with the data?
2: The criminal justice system does care about data And, you know, like any organization, they like to highlight their best data. On the other hand, there's really no accountability for the criminal justice system. And theoretically, the accountability of it is through the head of the Department of Corrections, who then reports to the governor, and through the committees in the legislature that have oversight over the Department of Corrections. But, in fact... That's a fairly removed kind of oversight. And in terms of so many decisions that happen on the day-to-day level of running the prison system, that those get very little oversight. So we are interested in more transparency from the Department of Corrections, and we're interested in changes to those that value the people within the
1: criminal justice system. Is the system here, and we're talking about Madison, Wisconsin in your case, is the system here different from what it is over in Arizona or New Mexico? I mean, we've got listeners in KCEI over in the Southwest. We've got people in California. We have people in Massachusetts and all across the country. Are the systems that we're dealing with here in Wisconsin significantly different from someplace like California or Massachusetts or Arizona?
2: Yes, I would say that Wisconsin does differ from a lot of other states. One of the ways that we differ is in terms of the way the supervision system. So people who either um, don't go to prison and are put on probation or people who go to prison have served their sentences then are returned into the community and they're on parole. Both of those are considered part of the community corrections or the supervision system in Wisconsin. And the rules for that in terms of how long people are on uh, supervision are quite different between different states. And the disparity between the states is actually increasing at this time. There are a number of states, and what's interesting is, to some people is that there are red states that have gone through the experience of trying to incarcerate their way out of any social problems and realizing that that's not a, a meaningful or effective way of, of doing that. And so places like Texas, who have really changed the way they do supervision, the places like California, who have changed the way they do supervision, uh, Hawaii, who have made big changes. So it's, it doesn't seem to be a red state, blue state kind of thing. But there's just people that are trying to develop a better system than what we've got right now. I was also interested just this week, uh, somebody sent me a link to a 60 Minutes uh, report about a prison in Connecticut. It was called The Rock. It was kind of a hard prison. And the warden was given a, a mandate to create a German-style wing of the program called True Truth Understanding, uh, rehabilitation, and I forget what he is. But anyway, so that's a very different way of running a prison and a very different philosophy about what's effective. And so far, they've been doing it for a couple of years, and they've had very good results, both in terms of the decrease in the number of incidents within the prison and also in terms of the people from the TRUE program they go back out in the community and then succeed in reintegrating into their
1: communities. I suppose a couple few years is kind of short horizon to figure out if recidivism is increased or decreased. I do know a lot of people get out to the streets. I just saw a news article, I think yesterday, about a guy who got out, and as he leaves the prison, he tries to hoist a car. So he's back in. (laughs) Maybe that was intentional. Maybe he liked, you know, three square meals or whatever they call it.
2: Yeah, I don't know how much that that kind of intentional going back to prison happens. I'm sure that it does happen for some people because it's uh, very difficult to make the transition back into community. Um, The two biggies are... You know, housing and jobs. Because until you get like a stable place to stay, and until you get some source of income, then you're in America. You're in a pre-bad place, and so being a felon makes both of those tasks much easier. You can't get into subsidized housing because having a felony in your background, you check off the box that indicates that you have a felony, and all of a sudden
1: <laughs> you can't get any jobs.
2: <laughs> right. You can't get any jobs, and you can't get any housing. All the Section 8 housing is not that you can get immediately on a line and, and soon get Section 8 housing. I mean, that's a, usually a, a waiting list of years, at least in Madison.
1: But you can't even get on it if you have a criminal history? Is that the setup there? Or?
2: Yeah, you're disallowed for getting into subsidized housing. And often that means that... If you have a loved one that's willing to take you in, but they live in subsidized housing, then if they do take you in, then you have the chance of all of you being evicted from that location. So having a felony is a huge roadblock, both for jobs and housing, and those are the, those are the major challenges that you want to get to.
1: You know, one of the first things that we deal with in the whole idea about prisons is whether they're there for punishment or correction. I have a a brother who's a fundamentalist Christian, and he was all, you know, it's like, yeah, we need to punish these people. They did something wrong. And a lot of us think that even if there's punishment, the objective is to change behavior so that they will not commit crimes in the future, I'm assuming that Moses and Eric Howland and your role as Moses' president, that your leaning is towards correction as opposed to punishment? Is, is that a fair thing to say?
2: Well, I think that for our communities, that's exactly what we need. We need to establish people on a basis where they can become uh, productive members of our community. So the idea that you're going to take people that have made some kind of a mistake and that you're going to punish them, you're going to hurt them, in order that when they come back into your community, that they will have good feelings towards the community, be willing to work hard to uh, overcome the obstacles and to integrate back into that community. It seems to me that that's a misguided strategy. So we're very much all about corrections, and we're really very much about uh, restorative justice. I personally feel that what we need to do is create a new criminal justice system based on restoration, based on restorative justice, because otherwise you're just left with people who often were traumatized in their youth, go to prison, get traumatized by the prison system, then come out, and what are the odds that they're going to be able to make that transition in a
1: productive way? We'll talk more about that in just a moment, but I want to remind folks you are listening to Spirit in Action. NorthernSpiritRadio.org is our website with 14 years of our programs, free listening and download. You can find links to our guests. So when you want to track down this organization called MOSES, which again stands for Madison Organizing in Strength, Equality, and Solidarity, MosesMadison.org is their website. The link's on NordenSpiritRadio.org, so you don't have to memorize everything. Also on our site, there's a place for comments. Make our communication two-way. Let us know what you're thinking, feeling, advocating. Let's talk to one another. So click comments when you come to NordenSpiritRadio.org. Also, there's a donate button. Full-time work this is, and it's supported not by government not by corporations but by you the listeners please support us and even more important i want to talk about supporting your local community radio stations in madison um, amongst the communities there that are are support using low power radio to get out message is wid madison that radio station was one of the first stations to carry the syndication of Spirit in Action. There's also a station down there that Eric Holland is associated with, WWMV. So much power of the community is enhanced by community radio stations, both musically and in terms of the news broadcasting that is included. They deserve your support to start off with. Eric, you've been part of two different ones. You're part of the startup of WIDE and uh, associated also with WWMV. You know, your work now with Moses is one part of your work, and you had 20 years with DayNet, which we'll mention a little bit later. Is your association with all these things because you're super tech? Well,
2: I am a technically interested, and I'm interested in how all this stuff works. And I do feel that technology is really an empowering thing. I mean, that's certainly the thing that got me into technology. Back in the day when there were typewriters, I saw a computer, and I said, oh, spell checking, I want one of those. <laughs> so... Um, so there's all kinds of ways that technology, I think, empowers us and makes us able to spread our voice. And so the Internet is certainly one venue for that. But low-power FM radio, it brings it into the neighborhood and allows that very personal kind of uh, voice communication, which I think, as humans, we, we appreciate that. We appreciate the stories that our neighbors and friends have, and being able to get those out on the radio is powerful.
1: One of the things that we were just talking about before the break was about punishment versus correction. And I think you and I are similar enough ages within 10 years of one another. So that means that we grew up in a time when spanking was the punishment that is supposed to correct your behavior Uh, I think both you and I grew up thinking that spanking is not the way to go, and I think it's pretty widespread that uh, people are disaffected from that way of supposed correction. Are the religious groups, the spiritual groups that are associated with Moses turned away from that idea? I I know that there are plenty of communities in the U.S. who still think, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. And they apply that then to thinking about prisoners or those who've committed crimes.
2: Yeah. No, I think that that is one of the ideas in America that permeates a lot of different things. As you say, I think it's also changing. Uh, Interestingly enough, the DA here in Dane County We'll speak on that at length about uh, how corporal punishment is the beginning of of a downward spiral for a lot of kids. So that's certainly uh, something that's in the air here in Dane County. And, of course, the schools have outlawed corporal punishment. Parents, of course, in all the United States, can do what they want more or less. But I think that the culture is changing away from that, and I think that actually that's also something that in our criminal justice system we should change from the idea that punishing people is going to make them, you know, change their minds about the things that they've done wrong or the changes that they need to make in their own lives. I think that punishment has not turned, turned out to be a great way to do that, and coming to an understanding of the harm that people have done in the community which is the foundation of the restorative justice model, is a much more effective way of getting people to change their behavior.
1: One of the other things that Moses, and again the the website MosesMadison.org, and again Moses is this congregational-based organization, faith-based organizing uh, that's also affiliated with a statewide organization called Wisdom and nationwide called Gamaliel. Uh, One of the issues that you bring up on your website is that solitary confinement should be eliminated or greatly reduced. Now, solitary confinement, interestingly enough, was intended to be a correctional method to give people time in the penitentiary where they're, they're doing penance. Where they're going to go into solitary confinement and somehow? This will lead them to wisdom, you know. The <laughs> and, and yet solitary confinement has turned into a total another beast. Could you explain why solitary confinement is such a problem and why we need to address it to get the system going in a better direction?
2: Yeah, and I think you frame that in just the right way. The idea of solitary confinement is a chance for people to. Meditate on the things that have gone wrong in their life and what they want in their life and being able to move forward. Those are all good things. The idea of locking somebody in a room the size of a parking space and then only letting them out for one hour a day and when they come out of their cell for one hour a day, they're then put into another exercise cage, a bigger cage where they can just walk around. That has not turned out to be the thing that promotes that kind of reflection that promotes that kind of change in behavior. So if we're going back to the roots of solitary confinement and then seeing how it's implemented, then that's actually not a very good implementation of that idea of penance or contemplation, for that matter. So the UN has said that anything more than 15 days of solitary confinement should be considered torture. And in Wisconsin, we don't have any restrictions on that amount of time that people can be put in solitary confinement. Now, in some states, like Colorado, they have taken that to heart and they have eliminated solitary confinement for more than 15 days. And they do use it, they tend to use solitary there more as a time-out kind of function. But if you think about even monastic orders, where they're trying to encourage contemplation, they don't Put people in a place that's sensory isolation. Well, I shouldn't say sensory isolation because if you hear the tapes of what it sounds like in solitary confinement, it's very noisy. There's people screaming, there's people banging, there's people making noise. So in terms of the idea of the implementation of solitary confinement that we have here in Wisconsin, the idea of peaceful contemplation is, it doesn't have any relationship to what's actually happening
1: again i think it's useful you point out what they're doing in colorado i know at a certain point in the recent history california was dealing with this excess population in their prisons i think wisconsin has had a similar issue happening that the these prisons you have to continuously build new prisons because you know three strikes you're out and, and let's jail people and what's called crimeless revocation where they get put back in prison not because they committed any crime but because they did something that their parole officer didn't want them to do so you know you you had a beer and you're not supposed to have any alcohol you're back in prison poof all of these things led to burgeoning populations in the prisons in California and in Wisconsin. How bad is that situation currently? And has anybody done things to move things in the right direction? Has California come back from the precipice?
2: Crimeless revocation is a nationwide issue, and states are, in fact, changing their approach to supervision. And in some places, you cannot be returned for a crimeless revocation. So let me just say criminalification is when you break one of the rules of your supervision that's not criminal. The one that you suggest about having a beer, when one of the rules of your supervision is that you should drink no alcohol, would be an example of breaking a rule of supervision. There are many rules that people have. I've heard of one person that had 76 rules of supervision. and if you're a sex offender, you're in that higher range of number of rules of supervision. Many people have noted that it would be difficult for almost all of us to live without breaking any of those rules. I believe there are 18 standard rules that everybody that's on probation or parole get in Wisconsin, but then there are extra rules that are added on to that. And sometimes those make sense, those extra rules, and sometimes it's very hard to see the
1: utility of those rules. I have a friend locally who has gone back into prison because he broke this rule or that rule. Sometimes he's done egregious violations, and he deserves to get something more than just a slap on the wrist for what he's done. He he did. Crimes actually, and so you know that's that's one thing, but uh, one of the things one of the rules sometimes has been you can 't get to see your son because your son is a child, you 're not supposed to see a child because Your crime is sex-related. But seeing and taking care of his son, is his crime was with an underage girl. It's not something about his son. How can you do your life well on the outside if your law paradoxically prevents you from doing good things on the outside? It's kind of crazy, the Catch-22, so many people get put in.
2: Yeah, and that goes back to in Wisconsin a couple of decades ago, most of the people who were parole or probation officers came from a social work background. And so you can imagine that people that come from that background have this idea of like, oh, well, what do you need to succeed here and how can we make that happen and here's some resources that you might be able to utilize. But now the majority of the parole and probation officers come out of a criminal justice background. so. They either have just graduated from a program in one of the colleges, a criminal justice degree, or they have been police officers and then become parole agents, or they've been uh, guards in prisons and then they transfer to becoming parole officers. So they have that idea that their job is to monitor people and then punish any infraction or any departures from what the goal is to get people back on track. And as many people have pointed out, the parole officers tend to come from one part of our culture, and many of the people that are on parole come from another part of our culture. So there's not really a great uh, cultural understanding of where somebody would be and what would be a, a dangerous change in their behavior or what would be just an ordinary, you know, everyday activity, an activity that would indicate that somebody was on their pathway to criminal
1: activity let's go to another topic again folks we're speaking with eric Holland, who is president of moses uh, which stands for madison organizing and strength equality and solidarity congregational based organizing happening in madison wisconsin in his case and there's organizations parallel to this everywhere that you're listening from so he is president of moses here in wisconsin and their chief issue that they've been dealing with is what's sometimes called criminal justice reform and social justice reform. Their website is MosesMadison.org. On that site, I note, Eric, that one of the points that what you believe as part of Moses is that the system, the jails, the criminal justice system should not be used to generate excess revenue source. Why is that even a question? Why why does that have to be listed? Is that happening in Wisconsin as well as I saw there was a judge over in Pennsylvania who, who actually ends up going, I think, to prison himself because he was producing income for friends of his by putting people in detention. Is that kind of thing happening in Madison or in, and across the country?
2: I don't know of any judges that are in that kind of situation. But certainly, the profiting on the criminal justice system is true here as well as in most of the country. If you go to call somebody in prison, you have to go through Securus, which is a telephone company, an incredibly profitable telephone company, and you pay something like 30, 40 cents a minute in order to talk to somebody. If you are on probation... And they give you a GPS monitor. Then, for the privilege of wearing the GPS monitor, you have to pay 240. Well, in Dane County, you have to pay 240 dollars a month in order to be on a, a GPS monitoring. So, if you think about somebody coming out of prison and getting, in general, a fairly low-paid job and then out of their paycheck, the first thing that happens is they have to pay $240 a month, which mostly goes to a company in Minnesota. After you've made these payments, you're not going to have very much left to live on, to get housing, to get food, and particularly if you've been, as we were talking about before, you are not eligible for subsidies in both food and housing. So The idea that the amount of money that people are paying out of their own pockets in order to support the criminal justice system is, I think, counterproductive. Similarly, if you are a parent and your son ends up going to Lincoln Hills, Lincoln Hills will then charge Dane County something like $100 a day for that person to house that person at Lincoln Hills and then Dane County will try and collect that from the parents. So I think there's a cap on that at something like $30,000, but for a low-income family, having a, a bill even approaching $30,000 is going to push them into you know, the same kind of problems that people returning from prison are going to have. They're not going to be able to get food. They're not going to be able to get housing because they will have all these debts. Those are a couple of different ways that the criminal justice system is funding itself and enriching private corporations through collecting money from the people who are either on parole or, in the case of children, the families of those folks.
1: It's crazy. So obvious when you just take an open-eyed look at it that it's working to achieve the opposite of what it reputedly is aiming at. Instead of trying to do correction and to get people back and have healthy communities, we're trying to guarantee that you'll never be healthy again. It essentially becomes debtor prisons, which are actually prohibited constitutionally in the United States, and yet that's what our so-called criminal justice system attempts to do. Do you have in Madison, Eric, Do you have the alternative courts like we have here in Eau Claire? I understand where I live in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, we were one of the pioneers in Wisconsin in terms of using these drug courts, mental health courts, other means that have more flexible efforts to keep people from just going to jail. That, in fact, they worked with people to prevent them going to jail by having more flexibility in what they're doing with them. Do you have these alternative courts in Madison?
2: We do, and in fact, wisdom as a whole and, and Moses has been very strong in advocating for what's called treatment alternatives and diversions. So the idea that people who have either a mental health issue, who have an alcohol or drug issue, who have, you know, poverty issues, all those folks should not be entered into the criminal justice system. And so the ones, the drug courts that you mentioned, we have those here in Dane County. And we're advocating for the state government who has allocated money towards treatment alternatives and diversions to increase the amount of treatment money that's available. One of the courts that we're particularly interested in is the Restorative Justice Court here in, in Dane County. In fact, Dane County has a whole number of restorative justice initiatives. There's three organizations, the YWCA, Briar Patch, and the Time Bank, who work with young people and restorative justice, some in the schools and some out of the schools. And then the county has a restorative justice court, which is currently just for folks, young adults, so I think that Oldest people in that system are 25 years old, and there's only certain kinds of charges that are eligible to be treated with the Restorative Justice Court. But the idea of the Restorative Justice Court comes from a Native American justice system where the individual who is charged with a crime is enters into a circle with a number of other people and There are community people there, as well as county officials and people with a social work background. In that, then the person needs to talk through what it was that brought them to the moment where they did their crime and what kind of amends that they can make to the community for the harm that they caused. And we feel like that's a very strong replacement for the idea of jailing people. If the idea of jailing people is to punish them, as we were talking about before, then this now becomes a chance for people to own up to what their issues are, what harm they caused, what their future way of get coming back into harmony with the community. The Restorative Justice Court has only been gone for a couple of years here in Dane in, in County, but initially the uh, effectiveness of that has been very high in terms of low recidivism and the number of people who successfully graduate from that system. One other thing I will say about the restorative justice court is that if you successfully go through the restorative justice system that they set up and you repair the harm in the agreement that you made with the restorative justice court, you will not have your crime entered into the CCAP system. The CCAP system is a statewide system that records people and their criminal histories. And as a result, some of the negative things that we've been talking about in terms of not being able to get jobs, not being able to get housing, don't come into play. So this is an example of a system, a different system of justice, that we have here in Dane County, and that's part of the stuff that's funded with the treatment alternative and diversion, or sometimes called TAD funding, from the state.
1: There's so many topics we could talk about, Eric, but I think there's one last thing. Now, I know you've been president of MOSES, of this congregational-based organizing, addressing, in this case, justice system reform. You worked for 20 years with DayNet before, so you've had lots of other jobs. I'm not sure at which point you got active with Moses, but one of the programs that was being advocated statewide by Wisdom, the umbrella organization for both Moses in Madison, Wisconsin, and Jonah around here, around Eau Claire, Wisconsin, is the 11 by 15 campaign. I think at the point where that was started, there were some 22,000 people who were actively under the justice system, the prison system in Wisconsin, and the objective was by 2015 to get that down to half, to 11. We didn't nearly meet that goal. Where is that progress now? Are we getting better, worse? Is there a similar vision for what we're going to do with our system?
2: Yes, and so the... In 2015, when we didn't make our goal of reducing the prison population by essentially half, we then changed the name of the campaign and slightly changed the focus to become the Restore Our Communities campaign. And so that's what we're doing. And if you go to rocwisconsin.org, you can see the overarching structure for the Rock Wisconsin campaign. But Unfortunately, many of the issues that we were dealing with then were still dealing with. One of the things that we've become aware of in the last few years is that we were looking at the large number of people who are incarcerated, the 22,000, and that's actually unfortunately up, I think, at the hearings at the Capitol. They said it was 24,000 people now in, in our prison system. But there are a number of common-sense approaches that would reduce the prison population. And these are the kinds of things that have already been tested in other states. Like before, we were talking about Texas, in terms of supervision, we were talking about Hawaii. But there's a number of different initiatives that would reduce the prison population. And they've been validated in a number of other states as both effective and also decreasing the amount of crime in the communities. So it's a really a a huge win-win. It's a win in the sense of reducing the number of people in prison. It's been a win in terms of restoring those communities and making them safer. And it's been a win in terms of the state budgets, because ironically, hurting people (laughs) in the prisons is a very expensive operation. So I would say, yes, there are a number of things that can happen that we can go forward with We're hopeful that our new gubernatorial administration will take up some of those and the new head of the Department of Corrections will implement some of those
1: policies and I'm hopeful that they'll get there with the support of organizations like Moses and Jonah and Wisdom statewide. Again, folks, we've been speaking with Eric Howland. He is president of MOSES, which stands for Madison Organizing and Strength, Quality, and Solidarity in Madison, Wisconsin. He's the former chair of the low-power FM radio station called WIDE and also associated With WWMV. He worked 20 years with DaneNet, and his work with Moses as president in terms of justice system reform or criminal justice reform is so crucial to the healing of our country and specifically here on site in Wisconsin, where he lives. I'm so impressed by the work you've done over the years, Eric, and that you continue to do to make the city, the county, the state, and the country better. And I thank you so much for joining me today for Spirit in Action.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for covering these issues.
1: Again, the websites you want to go to, folks, mosesmadison.org is the website for the organization Moses, and there's ROC, which stands for Restoring Our Communities. Restore Our Communities, Wisconsin, rocwisconsin.org another excellent site for finding a way forward. I hope, Eric, that I'll see you next year also at the Wisconsin Grassroots Network Festival in Mesa Mani. such a wonderful resource. I'm glad that your work with Moses is one of those resources that we can count on. Thank you again.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
1: My deep appreciation to Catherine Thomas for production assistance on today's program. We'll go out with a brief reprise of the song we started off the hour with, "A Mean Kind of Justice" by Carrie Newcomer, and we'll share the upbeat, hopeful verse of that song. We'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. Was it
0: goodness on this earth? Will all and still it survives, and I know we have failed, but I've seen that we can fly, there's a goodness on this earth that will not die. I we'll just feel the echo